Grizz Nation's favorite outfitter is the M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. And now the M Store has a brand new location in downtown Missoula. Come check out the new storefront located on the corner of Higgins and Broadway. The M Store in Missoula has been your Grizz Gear headquarters for more than 10 years, offering some of the most original University of Montana gear you'll find anywhere in the Garden City. Next time you're downtown, swing in. Come by the M Store today and wear what the Grizz wear. Or shop online at MontanaMStore.com. Montana's only daily sports talk show. Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! It's so hot in here, I don't even know what to do. I guess that's what happens when it's uh, 38 degrees in the morning and uh, 73 degrees in the afternoon. Don't worry, the snow's coming. Nobody wants to talk about the weather. You want to talk about sports. What's up, everybody? Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Happy to be coming to you through the... ESPN MT Studio, uh, ESPN MT, part of the Missoula Broadcasting Company, locally owned and operated for uh, more than 15 years and proud to say so. Ton to get to in the show today, so let's take a look at it. We'll get things started off here in a couple minutes like we do each Wednesday now. With Sam Herter, Hero Sports and Bet MGM, he is a senior analyst of the FCS, one of the best in the business covering the FCS on a national level. So Sam will join us here about 4.05. Also going to hear from Brent Vegan, the head coach of the Montana State Bobcats. His team has a primetime matchup. It's been kind of cool. I've been able to participate in the uh, Montana State press conferences every Monday via uh, either telephone or Zoom. But uh, this week... Wanted to have Coach Vegan all by myself just because it is a top-five matchup, and it's the game of the year thus far for MSU. So he'll join us about 4.30. Grizz Hockey co-head coach Mike Anderson will join us uh, on the phone line about 4.45. Plus, we do have a couple Grizz Hockey tickets for you to Friday night's match against uh, Washington State here in town. Hour number two, a two-part ESPN roundtable and a fun one. Jake Dunaway, senior quarterback from Sacramento State, as well as Andy Thompson, a University of Montana alum and the defensive coordinator for the Hornets, will each join us. And then at 5.30, our Grizz Star of the Week, one of your favorites, one of the most fun guys to talk to on the Grizz football team, Justin Ford, a senior cornerback, a Buck Buchanan Award finalist a year ago. And uh, the saying it's the no-fly zone again this year, an outstanding corner, one of the key members of the Grizz defense. How the Grizz bounce back against Idaho? Bobby Houck didn't want to talk about it on Monday, so maybe Justin Ford will. Uh, either way, we'll look forward to having Justin Ford as part of our Grizz Star of the Week. So there you go. How about that? This powerhouse guests doesn't get any better than that here uh, on Nuanas Now. That's your show outlook presented by Brent Wahlberg and the Wahlberg team. The Wahlberg team. 
the official realtors of Grizz Athletics. Any and all real estate questions you might have in Western Montana, give Brent and his team a call today. We'll be hitting the road to Bozeman. We were trying to figure out a way to get to both Sacramento and Bozeman. The 9 p.m. local time kickoff in SAC, it makes it really tough uh, just because of the way that the flights were going to have to work out and then the turnaround time. And, you know, nobody cares about your problems. Everybody's got them. But uh, it was going to be tough for us to get teams both down to SAC and uh, to Bozeman. So uh, we'll be making the drive on I-90 over to Bozeman this weekend. We will have coverage, full coverage for you out of Sac State, so don't worry about that. I got a couple of photographers lined up, and uh, we'll be watching intently as well. So we'll have full full coverage for you, SkylineSportsMT.com, and of course here at ESPN uh, MT as well. Uh, but we got to thank because we're going on the road again. Got to thank Town Pump for keeping us fueled up all season long. Town Pump by the mile. So if you are headed on the road somewhere, you're going to watch Bobcats, going to watch the Grizz, you're going uh, maybe somewhere down the road to go watch some college football, you're going hunting. We actually don't really care where you're going, but a lot of times in Montana this time of year, you're on the go, let Town Pump keep you fueled up, and we're going to help keep you fueled up as well with our Town Pump by the Mile. Text us right now, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. And, uh, We'll pick one right at the end of our next conversation, but text us, 406-888-1029. Tell us where you're going. we got a $50 gift card for you to Town Pump. I'll get you some fuel, get you some snacks. I'm really digging the Old Trapper beef jerky. They also have great beer and wine selection and all sorts of foods, and uh, they're convenient, great place to get uh, your car filled up with gas. So text us right now, 406-888-1029. Our next guest... Went on a little road trip this upcoming weekend. Uh, made his way over to watch number one versus number two. Pretty fun uh, for Sam Herter. And uh, he'll join us each Wednesday here for the rest of the football season. He joins us right now. We go to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. Welcome in, Sam Herter. Uh, what's up, man? First of all, uh, how was the travels this last weekend? It was good. Uh, Grand Forks on Friday was a good time. Uh, watched some UND hockey and then made the drive down a little south, uh, which is weird when you, when you think of it that way, driving south right. uh, to Fargo, North Dakota. But uh, went south to Fargo, uh, did some tailgating, watched the game up in the press box, um, and you know, always a uh, really good environment, whether it's in Brookings, whether it's in Fargo when these two teams play. So it was a really good weekend. Well, we'll start there. Uh, I I just had egg all over my face all weekend long. You know, I proclaimed on Tubbs and the club that the Grizz were going to win uh, by three touchdowns. And then I spouted off on Twitter about how it was foolish that people thought that uh, South Dakota State would be in the mix when NDSU was up two scores at halftime in that game and in full control. And then what do you know it? Idaho comes back and wins in Missoula, and South Dakota State comes back and wins in Fargo. And what the hell do I know? I know nothing. But just take us through uh, the details of, of all the action because um, it looked like a spirited game, a very, very competitive game. And South Dakota State comes ahead with a 23-21 victory. Uh, they seem to have the the one formula to beat North Dakota State. And now not only do they beat NDSU this year, but they attain the number one ranking in the United States of America at the FCS level for the first time in their program's Division I history since moving up in 2004. So an impressive rise. They've done the whole thing under John Stigelmeyer. I know he's proud as a peach to be a, a part of this uh, this run here at SDSU. Take us through it. What did you see? How did, how did South Dakota State rally for that great victory? 
Well, it, you know, I, I said a lot last week that I can see a lot of, or not a lot of different scenarios, but a couple of different scenarios for this game. And, and one was, you know, on paper, it seemed like South Dakota State uh, had the edge where they, they had the run defense to uh, stop NDSU. And then offensively, the Jacks had, uh, you know, a really strong rushing attack that could take advantage of NDSU's really young and inexperienced front seven. And that's exactly what we saw in the second half. Uh, in the first half, though, was another scenario I saw where, where you know, I, I, I was close to picking uh, North Dakota State to win, and the only reason uh, I would have picked North Dakota State to win was simply, well, it's kind of the bias, and it kind of seems like this is the performance where they're just going to play really well and kind of tell the FCS, hey, remember who we are, remember that we are the dynasty of the FCS, and that's exactly what happened uh, in the first half uh, there, and I was kind of, I also felt like I had egg on my face because I picked South Dakota State. Uh, to win in that halftime, I was like, man, I couldn't have been more off. But yeah, then the second half, it was all it was all Jackrabbits, and they just controlled uh, basically the the line of scrimmage. Uh, South Dakota State's, you know, as far as adjustments, they made some adjustments from what I saw, but I think it was mostly just playing better. Uh, I think the cornerbacks uh, didn't give a- as much cushion in the second half, and I think that played out pretty well for their defense. And I also think they just did some uh, some jet motion stuff or shifting the tight ends over, uh, and that gets basically NDSU's young linebackers out of their gaps a little bit where all of a sudden you're responsible for this gap. They shift over, you're responsible for a new gap, and then they snap the ball and, you know, your eyes are all kind of are kind of all over the place. I think that's what South Dakota State did to, again, take advantage of, of a pretty young linebacking core that NDSU has. Sam Herner joining us here on Nuanas Now, senior FCS analyst for Hero Sports and Bet MGM. He contributes each Wednesday here to lead uh, the show here at Nuanas Now. For many of the times that uh, South Dakota State, and when I say many, there's there's been a handful. I mean, NDSU's only lost, you know, maybe a dozen or so games over the last 11 or so years, and it seems like about half of those have been to South Dakota State. I think the official total is four or five. You probably know better, Sam. But um, th- they've done it with high-fly offenses, and uh, this, though, seems like South Dakota State has also really addressed a lot of the other stuff, and I know they've been good on defense in recent years, but it sounds like they're really good on defense this year. Where have you seen them just progress as a program, just in terms of, of sort of rounding out their roster and maybe not just being about, you know, Taron Christian and Jake Wineke and Dallas Goddard and the great offensive school guys they had in sort of the last cycle? Yeah, it, it has been fascinating to see how they, as far as offensively, have, have adjusted to their personnel. Uh, you go back to 2012, 13, 14, when they had Zach Zenner. I mean, they would just line up and pistol and, and, and run the ball, run the ball, run the ball of Zach Zenner. And then when you have guys like Taryn Christian and Jake Winnicky and Dallas Goddard, you know, they were less of a, a running team and more of a passing attack. Most recently, they've been very balanced. Uh, you know, they, they still they had a great running back last year in Pierce Strong Jr., yet still spread the defense out and attack them uh, through the air uh, along with having the balance of rushing attack. And that's the same thing this year. Isaiah Davis is a phenomenal uh, running back. Amar Johnson is a really good number two running back, but they still do spread you out. They still have a lot of weapons uh, on the outside. And I think, you know, really what, what has changed with South Dakota state is the trenches. Uh, you know, I think offensively uh, the offensive line, uh, which I think you can give a lot of credit to Jason Eck, who I'm sure we'll talk to uh, talk about in a little bit. Uh, when he took over as the offensive line coach, I think he gave that unit uh, more of an edge, and so I think the offensive line has gotten better. And I think also the defensive line has gotten much better and, and has more depth behind it. You know, you go back even to 2018, 
South Dakota State really played four or maybe five defensive linemen all season, all game. Um, and I think they realized that, yeah, maybe they can beat NDSU in the regular season. But when it comes to playing deep into December and you have, you know, either some injuries or just the defensive linemen that are beat up, you know, that's when NDSU runs for 300 yards against South Dakota State uh, in the playoffs. And so I think one big change is getting more depth across the defensive line. And now they rotate on the D-line just like NDSU does. And that's been a big difference, especially defensively. How much of South Dakota State's prioritization of uh, becoming uh, better on the trenches and, and, you know, like you say, instill a little bit more attitude on that and that portion of the game, how much of it has been directly related to sort of this endless chase both in the Missouri Valley Football Conference and just across the FCS of North Dakota State? Yeah, I think it, I mean, it's, you can point directly at that. Uh, in my opinion, you know, South Dakota State always, you know, linebacker-wise, uh, has always been really, really good. You know, with guys like Christian Roseboom, uh, Backus, now they have Adam Bach, who's really good. Um, always had really good skill position players, you know, Zenner and Pierce Strong Jr. and Wieneke. Um, now they have Tucker Kraft and Zach Hines and the Yankee Twins. Always have had really good quarterback play. Gronowski uh, is really good. Uh, Taron Christian was a multi-year starter, always really good. And so that, you know, just pure talent was never really a problem. It was just the play um, in the trenches. And I think they saw firsthand that, yeah, you can beat NDSU in the regular season, but when it comes to the playoffs, I think South Dakota State is, I want to say, 0-4 against North Dakota State. Uh, the Jacks are 0-4, yeah, 0-4 against North Dakota State uh, in the playoffs, and that was really NDSU winning the battle in the trenches every time uh, in the playoffs. And so I think uh, they've, you know, it, it was weird. I had one NDSU fan of my mention saying, oh, South Dakota State's a joke. They're, they're mirroring NDSU. They're a copycat of NDSU. They're copying everything NDSU does. And I was just like, well, yeah, <laughs> everyone's supposed to be doing that. That's, that, that's, the, that's the standard. Why would they be doing that? And uh, now they've accomplished that, and they've, they've had NDSU's uh, number multiple times in the, in the last handful of years. Well, it's very fascinating to analyze um, because it seems as if a lot of teams have tried to mirror NDSU's formula uh, to varying levels of success. I mean, and, and they've all been successful because I do think high tides raise all ships. And, uh, you know, Weber State, they, they put a little bit more of an emphasis on the explosive return game uh, on special teams and maybe have a little bit more athleticism in the secondary but it's still, in its essence, you know, physical style of, of football. Montana, uh, they've gone in and out of what they've been trying to do, and now actually they're running the hurry up uh, offensively, but they don't really get the explosive type of scoring numbers that you maybe would expect, uh, and that's a whole different story. That's a whole different tangent. We'll get to the Big Sky Conference stuff uh, in here a little while, but Jeff Choate tried to model Montana State after that, and you know, Brett Vegan is a direct descendant of the NDSU coaching tree now, leading the Bobcats. So it is sort of fascinating because I've actually always thought that you're never going to beat NDSU with that style of play. You have to go a complete polar opposite. So uh, last question on this specific game then. Is this win by South Dakota State, Sam, is this indicative of South Dakota State truly maybe have overtaken NDSU or is this just a single-year, single-game sample size? Yeah, it's hard to say. I think the the final judgment of that is going to be to see what South Dakota State does in the playoffs and even more what they do this weekend. Uh, they have a, a tough road trip to Grand Forks playing at UND, who has a, a long track record of beating ranked opponents at the Alara Center. And you look at the past, and South Dakota State has beaten NDSU numerous times, but they've also lost once or twice afterwards. 
in the regular season, which ultimately has cost them a, a high seed. Um, and so the Jacks are, you know, at UND versus Indiana State, at Northern Iowa, who's down this year, versus Illinois State, who's looking okay. Uh, the Jacks should be favored to win out. It's just a matter of, you know, can they play to this level uh, every week? And if they do, they are probably in position for, for sure, a top two seed, possibly the number one seed. Uh, but, you know, if, if a Big Sky team runs the table, they could potentially be the number one seed, and then the Jacks would be the two seed. But, you know, beating NDSU in the regular season multiple times is, is great and all. And it probably helps in recruiting and breaking rights. But if NDSU goes on to win in Frisco this year and South Dakota State doesn't, I don't know how much the NDSU program cares a whole lot about losing the Dakota marker when at the end of the regular or when at the end of the season they're the ones winning the national championship. And so I think South Dakota State is, you know, obviously on par with NDSU, but to truly overtake the Bison, I think winning that national title is what the Jacks have to do. Sam Herter joining us here on Nuwana's Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Last week, number one versus number two. This week, we got two top seven matchups in uh, the Big Sky Conference. Those are the two biggest matchups in the FCS. Weber State plays at Montana State. That's number five at number three. And then uh, Montana, number seven, plays at Sac State, number two this week. Uh, and that's an evening game. More like a middle-of-the-night game, <laughs> if you're asking me. 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time kick. A 10 p.m. kick where, where Sam's at. You might be needed a, some uh, evening <laughs> coffee, my friend, to be able to stay up till that. You're going to be watching football till Sunday morning, no doubt. Uh, but just take us through. Let's start with the first matchup, the one that starts in the afternoon in Bozeman. Uh, what's your take on uh, Weber State at Montana State at Bobcat Stadium? Yeah, this is uh, going to be a really fun matchup, a really fun atmosphere uh really interested to see montana state's offense versus weber state's defense uh, obviously we know that montana state wants to run the ball uh, i know they're down a couple of offensive linemen now and so the bobcats are going up against a rushing defense that allows just under 90 rushing yards per game uh, which is just a crazy number to go along with 11 uh, points per game allowed by weber state and so i, I think weber owns one of the top defenses in the fcs and if they do force Montana State to throw the ball, uh, you know, who's who's handling those throwing duties? Is it Tommy Malott? Uh, I know he got onto a nice rhythm and looked pretty good uh, last weekend. Or, you know, he's he's not looking all that sharp. They can obviously go to Sean Chambers. Uh, but I, I think that cornerback duo of Weaver State, of Eddie Heckard, who is already an All-American, and then Maxwell Anderson already has, um, I believe, five interceptions in, in six games. I believe it's six games for Weaver State. And so um, that's two lockdown quarters uh, right there. And so just really interested to see, you know, a, a young Montana State offensive line getting even younger with some of those injuries and how they can establish that run against a really stout front seven of Weber State. And then the last one, uh, first of all, two-part question. First of all, what was your take of Montana uh, falling at home uh, to Idaho? We've talked about this ad nauseum because, as you know, in Montana, especially around western Montana, uh, if the Grizz lose at home, it's like doomsday. People think that the entire world is over. I'm teasing all you people out there. I, I find it funny. I, we love that you have so much passion uh, about the Grizzlies. But uh, Idaho's dang good team, I thought. I thought that was my number one impression coming out of that game is that uh, Idaho's no joke. They're not just some upstart. Uh, you know, Sure, they controlled the ball and, and controlled the clock and milked it and had the ball for 42 minutes. But I also thought, man for man, they totally matched up with Montana. I thought they had really good players. I think Giovanni McCoy is a star in the making if he's not just a flat star already at quarterback. I thought they had great receiving talent, 
good on the lines all across the board. I thought Idaho was impressive. What, what do you think of this uh, Idaho win at, at Montana and both uh, what it means for Idaho and what it means for the Grizz? Right, yeah, and that's, uh, you know, I was able to watch the final six minutes. I, I put the game on in the press box, and that's, yeah, I know I've told you before, but that's one reason I don't travel a lot to games because it's it, when you're only watching one game, it's hard to, you know, watch multiple screens, obviously, and see what's going on. And so uh, I watched a little bit of the end of the, this game and then, you know, had to travel back on Sunday and then uh, find the game and rewatch it to kind of get a, 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 a true glimpse of, of what happened. And, uh, yeah, Idaho just – control that game, like you said, and they got Montana out of a rhythm. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it seemed like the Grizz passed the ball twice as much as they would usually want to. Uh, I, I know Lucas Johnson has looked good and some really good receivers on the outside for Montana, but um, it just seemed like they were passing the ball uh, a whole lot and you know not necessarily uh, establishing the run and some key interceptions there too for, for Johnson. And so, uh, yeah, that's a a uh, huge win for Idaho, who I had no problem putting into my top 10 of my yeah. top 25, you know, now 4-0. Uh, I know maybe people just stare at the 4-2 and record, but when it comes to the playoffs, you can toss out those two losses to, to the Power 5, which were competitive losses, and so that tells me a little bit. But now 4-0 and versus the FCS, going to number 3 Montana, getting a win, you know, that's, that's a top 10 resume slash ranking uh, to me, and so super impressive with Idaho. And then Montana, it's you know, they have three tough road trips all all coming at top 10 uh, opponents. Uh, and so, you know, the Grizz, I thought, were maybe sitting well to get a high seed. But now if I'm not saying Montana's going to lose all three of these road games. But if they do, you know, at 7-4, and four, you know, what, what, what win on their screams playoff to you uh, for the Grizz if they do end up losing these three games uh, to top 10 opponents on the road? Again, not saying they are going to, but I'm just saying this is one loss. Uh, to, at the time, unranked, uh, kind of sets Montana back on it with their playoff position. And so, you know, obviously maybe morale for the fan base is down, but at the same time the Grizz can, can win out and have three top ten ranked wins and maybe be the number three seed in, in the playoffs. And so things can go a lot of different ways for Montana, uh, but, you know, it doesn't get much easier when you go to the number two team in Sac State who's playing really, really well right now. Well, then that's what you get. we'll get you out of here then uh, on Sam. Sam Herter, uh Senior FCS analyst for Hero Sports as well as BetMGM. Just how big is this game in Sacramento Saturday night for Montana? Yeah, I think it's huge. Uh, you know, you get a win at the number two ranked team in the country, and all of a sudden that you know vaults you back up into the rankings, and it doesn't necessarily make people forget about the Idaho loss, but but gets the Grizz back on the radar as far as being a, a top four seed, and you know just getting some. Uh, momentum back uh, for, for the program. And you know, Sac State is going to be a tough opponent who's had Montana's number uh, a couple of times last, a couple of fall seasons. Uh, I know I think last year when Sac State got a win in Missoula, I think uh, Montana was down at starting quarterback and battling some injuries. But still, it just seems like you you have the, the tough scheme of Montana to try to you know find ways to attack it. Well, if there's one guy that knows how to attack it, it's Troy Taylor, one of the you know more, most creative offensive minds uh, in the FCS and in all of college football. And I think one thing that's different to me about this Sac State team compared to past Sac State teams that, you know, kind of fell flat in the playoffs is Cam- uh, Cameron Scadabo, uh, fantastic running back for them. Uh, I know Sac State had Elijah Dotson in the past who was an All-American, but he was, you know, kind of a dual-threat running back. He could catch the ball. He could run the ball, obviously, more of a, a flasher. But I think Cameron Scadabo just 
brings that physicality to Sac State. I mean, in the past, I never really considered Sac State to have a physical offense, but when he's in there, they certainly are uh, a physical team. And so I, I think he's taken that offense to another level for an offense that was already really good. And so Montana's going to have its hands full, um, and, and we're looking at one of the top offenses in the FCS going up against one of the very best defenses in the FCS. And so this is a, a really good game on ESPN2 national television and a good, uh, a good gauge to see where both of these teams are at. He's Sam Herter, Senior FCS Analyst at Hero Sports, as well as BetMGM. You can follow him on Twitter, Sam Herter FCS, or check out Herosports.com. You can also find him here during the 4 o'clock hour on Wednesdays throughout the rest of football season. Sam, as always, appreciate you swinging by, man. Great insight, great hearing from you, great giving the people a look around the FCS national landscape. Thanks so much for being here, man, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you. There you go, Sam Herter, Hero Sports. You want a gas card from Town Pump? You can actually use it on anything. Jerky, beer, Cheetos, mints, whatever. Energy drinks, wine. Gasoline, though, is what I've been using my Town Pump uh, cards on. And uh, they've been getting us from destination to destination across the Big Sky Conference. And uh, we got a $50 Town Pump gift card for you. Keep those texts coming in. We'll pick one on the upcoming break, 406-888-1029. What are you going to do with your Town Pump gift card? Tell us where you're going, 406-888-1029, and we will pick a winner during this upcoming break. More on that primetime matchup in Bozeman. The Bobcats host Weber State. We'll hear from head coach Brent Vegan, Montana State's second-year head man. Next, keep it right here. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. College Athletics is a fundamental part of the fabric of our communities in Montana, and it's the stories of these young men and women that drive our passion at Skyline Sports. Coulter Nuwana is here. In 2015, my brother Brooks and I founded SkylineSportsMT.com. As a lifelong athlete, Brooks has an elite knowledge of football with a deep perspective with his time spent playing safety for the Montana Grizz football team, while I won a collection of sports writing awards, including 2010 Washington Sports Writer of the Year during my time in newspapers. Together, we can offer you the best sports journalism in the state with crisp writing, unbiased reporting, cutting-edge photography, and a grassroots feel that belies the corporate takeover of modern media this day and age. As Montana natives, we have a deep historical knowledge of the fiercest rivalry in the West. We share a combined 22 years' experience involved in the Big Sky Conference. That experience gives us unparalleled knowledge of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics. If you'd like to experience this with us, visit SkylineSportsMT.com and subscribe for only $8 a month or $90 a year. SkylineSportsMT.com. Every day, every season. Radio. I'm stuck on the album. I I, I just been playing it, and uh, it's because the trail, man. The trail got me listening to the new Weezer, so now I'm back on the old Weezer. So there's just gonna be a lot of songs from the Blue Album coming up. I don't know. That's what I call it, the Blue Album. I think it was just their self-titled first album. Still, I know I said this yesterday, but I can't believe that was 1994. That's 28 years ago. Just wild, man. Time just flies. Welcome back. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN Montana app. October 22nd, it's a date we've had circled forever, and now it's just a few days away. Big Sky Conference football, primetime action all the way across the conference, including two huge games involving the Montana schools. 
Well, happy now for this week's Montana State Minute, presented by JNV Restaurant Supply. And we're joined by Montana State head football coach Brent Vegan, his team, coming off a 37-14 victory over Northern Colorado, the Bobcats. 4-0 in Big Sky Conference play, 6-1 overall, as they now prepare to host a fellow top-five team with Weber State coming to Bozeman on Saturday. Should be a fun one. Coach, first of all, just start with sort of the arc of this season so far, because, you know, as you always remind everybody in the media and everybody in the fans, base it's just week to week for you guys you guys are just trying to prepare each week but you know when you look at stuff from a a broad lens there's always dates that stick out this october 22nd date's been one that seemed like it's going to be a pivotal one across the big sky conference particularly with this weber state team coming to town so what have you thought of your team's work to get here and how important has it been not to look ahead to this date to get to this point in your season i think it's really important you know i think each week we got to live in that week um you know Human nature tells you to look beyond some things sometimes, um, you know, and I, I know, you know, we had the two games that started our conference season that uh, you, you're playing two two teams that were playoff teams a year ago, um, going to Eastern, finding a way to win there, coming home, and re- I think, you know, playing really well against, I think, a really good Davis team, you know, and we'll see how their season plays out, but I thought they're a really good team. And then having the two games um, in between that, you know, again, on, on paper and human nature should tell you, well, you know, just, just show up. But that's not the way this works. You know, you know, all these teams in our league are going to do everything they can to give you your best shot. And we've been able to withstand that the last couple of weeks, um, two different games, but ultimately um, come out on top. And that's and now set this game up. And, you know, um, there's obviously every week you click off wins. Um, I suppose the next, next one, you can look at it meaning more, I guess, but um, at the end of it, they all do count the same, and we want to stack up as many as we can. Well, take us through the trip to Greeley because, as we know, this league so varying in the uh, the types of trips you're going to make, the atmospheres you're going to play in, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, Eliza Dotson rips off a huge touchdown on uh, Northern Colorado's first offensive series, and then they have a huge 95-yard drive, and all of a sudden it's 14-3. to But it looked like you guys were able to sort of stay the course, and then you score 34 unanswered points and win going away. So what was the key adjustment, and what did you also think of your guys just being able to stay in it, sort of weather that early storm? Well, I think that's kind of it. I, I, you know, I, there was no panic. I think our guys were frustrated. I, you know, you looked at offensively. We had we settled for a field goal our first drive. The second time, we ended up driving all the way um, down inside the the ten, and we came up a few inches short on a fourth down. In the midst of all that, they they wind up getting fourteen points. Won a huge play that you know that we are capable of making. And then there was a couple unfortunate. Uh, things that happened in sequence on that next drive that allowed them to get the touchdown. Um, you know, the roughing and the targeting was in that. They'd actually made a field goal that they were they were late on the clock, so they got a delay, and then they go for it on 4th and 13. I'm still trying to figure that one out. But anyways, it was 14-3. I, I know offensively we needed to respond with a drive, and we did. Um, and then it was just about getting uh, one stop after the other. I think what we, what we continue to do on defense is, is make third down really hard for them. They ended up 2 of 14 on the day. And offensively, I think, you know, we were able to do some do some things in the pass game, especially against man coverage, to, you know, to open that lead up. So um, I think I think the biggest thing is just, okay, it's 14-3. Um, no need to panic. And, you know, what do we need to do from here? And it's, it's just putting offense and defense together and, you know, counting on one another to do that. And I think that's, that's what we've been able to do here in the conference season. 
Um, and I trust we will have to the rest of the way because the other, these other teams are going to make some plays and, and they're going to, they're going to potentially even score some points. Um, we got to find a way to hang in there and score more than them ultimately at the end of the day. And, and, um, you know, I think we, we're getting better. Um, I, I do think we've, we've been an improving team. I think our guys that needed to take another step, guys that have played last year have continued to get better. I think our depth, you know, our, our willingness to play more guys on defense has continued to show up. Um, and then on offense, you know, uh, I think personnel-wise, we're continuing to kind of find our identity. And, um, you, know, that's, you know, that's what you should be doing past the midway point where we're at right now. Brett Vegan joining us, Montana State head football coach. Now into the second half of the season, and Weber State coming to town to play in Bozeman. The fifth-ranked Wildcats, the third-ranked Bobcats uh, on Saturday afternoon from Bobcat Stadium. Uh, coach, let's talk about this Weber State team. I mean, last year, I thought, uh, given the personalities and sort of identities of both teams, the game in Ogden was very on-brand. I mean, they had just a physical knockdown, drag-out, uh, very few touchdowns, a whole lot of defensive plays, nobody really running the ball with much success at all uh do you, do you expect something similar or what do you, how do you think these two teams your squad and weber state uh look different than a year ago well let's you know, speak to them i think offensively um they're doing more you know their their passing game i think is different than it was last year they've added the uh, rpo element to their passing game and you know i think they got a lot of guys um they're capable out in the perimeter, so it's not just being able to focus on a guy or two. I think the quarterback's playing really well within their scheme. Then you look at how they're running the football, you know, and and it's not just Davis. Uh, you know, Bankston comes in, and then at 28 as well. So they're running running with three guys back there too. And I, I think we're different too offensively. You know, I think we're um, a little bit more diverse than we were this time of year last year. So I, I do think it can be a little bit more of a spread it out game than it was more of a wadded up game like last year. Um, I think defensively, uh, you know, I, I do think both defenses are strong too, though. So what prevails um, in a game like this, you know, it's probably somewhere in the middle. You know, I, I don't see a game in, in the 40s necessarily, um, but I don't know. You know. Last year we were in the teens, so, I, you know, maybe somewhere in between. And, it, you know, it does come down to, the, the classic stats. I mean, what's the turnover margin look like? We were plus two last year, I believe, and and that was that was the difference. Honestly, I think those field goals we got in the second half were both off of uh, off of uh, turnovers. And I know um, third down will be big, and our ability to get them into third down and, and force their quarterback to really perform in that situation will be will be critical. Um, and I, I do think special teams will play a factor, and they're they're typically very strong in special teams. They got a really good return game, um, and we do too, you know. So where where does that tip? You know, who's got the advantage in the hidden yardage on on special teams? So you know, it, it's I think it's two teams that are similarly matched, you know. And um, I'm, I'm happy we're playing this one at home. I'm happy we have uh, the advantage uh, of you know 21 plus thousand. Uh, screaming Bobcat fans to make it as hard as we possibly can on them. 
Jay Hill, such a, a great special teams coach, but also a guy that has coached in the secondary for a long time before he became the head coach at Weber State, and I think you can see that. Uh, he told me at the Big Sky kickoff this summer that he thought this ha- this had a chance to be his strongest secondary that they've had at Weber, and that's saying something considering they've had you know a lot of really good players, multiple pros. I mean, anybody that watched uh, the afternoon game with the Bills and the, the Chiefs, I mean, Teron Johnson got the game-winning pick there for the Bills, former Big Sky defensive player uh, of the year there at Weber State. Uh, what do you see, though, out of the secondary coach? Seems like they mix and match a lot of stuff. Seems like they have a lot of personnel groups. Sometimes they have, you know, just traditional four DBs. Sometimes they can go five. Sometimes they can go six. Uh, So just how diverse is what Weber State's doing on the back end? How much does that sort of aid what they're doing defensively? Well, I think it's where it starts with them because they can play man coverage. They can play man coverage. They're comfortable in any situation, any any personnel grouping. And when you can do that, then that allows you to do uh, just about anything you want um, in the, in the front, you know, it really does. And, and, you know, the fact that they, they, they can play aggressive form of man coverage and feel really confident with it. Um, you know, that's, that's tough to contend with. Um, it typically gives you, you know, another hat, um, if you want it in the run game and, you know, as long as those guys hold up, that's all good, you know, and I think we have, we're good on the perimeter and and we're going to have to make some plays out there. I I know that's just going to be part of this. And I, I, I do trust that our guys, um, you know, can do that. I just, they, they got good speed and length and quickness and they're smart. Um, you know, I think across the board and they, they don't have to lean on one particular guy necessarily to say, to be their cover guy. I, I know they probably could if they wanted to, but they don't have to. And that's, that's important. And I, I know their safeties are bigger guys that can cover as well. Um, so no, they're, they're a talented group back there. And, and um, you know, I don't you know the number of guys that they play, to me is uh, way more than, than most teams in our league, and that's a credit to you know how they've recruited, how they've developed, and how they coach those guys up. In terms of your squad, I know that uh, you touched on a couple of the the injuries. I just wanted to ask you just broadly about the offensive line because it seems like those guys, they've done so much of the double rep work that you guys always talk about. It seems like you have uh, more than just your starting line ready to go, uh, but with Marcus Ware, Titan Fleischman out, where does that leave you guys? And uh, and Cole Sane as well. Uh, where, how do you guys adjust uh, on the offensive front given some of the, uh, the injuries that you do have? Yeah, well, you know, we ended up uh, settling with Marcus at tackle in part because he was just one of our best five. Um, you know, Jacob Kettles and, and Titan were, were pushing uh, for that playing time. Titans went down um, in the midst of the season, and now Marcus is down, so that, that presses Jacob into into that role. And, and ultimately it uh, presses a true freshman, Connor Moore, into a role where he's, he's a play away. And, and, you know, we felt good about uh, – Jacob, Jacob's played in games. Um, you know, I think we just felt strongly enough where you know, Marcus and Rush Reimer were getting the bulk of those tackle reps, but Jacob's played, um, and he's, uh, you know, let's, let's call him a seasoned, what is he, a fourth-year freshman, I think, um, seems like. But, you know, he's been around for a while, and he's relishing this opportunity to, to run with it. And, you know, if, if Connor has to get into a game, he has played. Um, he is very talented, and you know uh, we'll go with that. I know on the inside, if we're if we're down cold, that you know that puts Joe McElroy in that next up mode, and um, you know Joe's um, Joe's been in that mode uh, before. He's played in games, and, and um, you know that's where, like like you mentioned, the the double repping, the the experience our guys gain through spring and fall camp. Um, you know that's this is where it uh, this is where it has to show up.
Brett Vegan joining us here on the Montana State Minute. Nuanas now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Coach Vegan, the head coach of the Montana State Bobcats, who take their undefeated Big Sky Mark into Saturday's showdown against Weber State. Coach, just two more things for you. One, uh, uh, when it comes to, I, I don't want to ask you necessarily about the quarterbacks because it's very clear that you guys have figured out a way to run a multiple quarterback system. I wanted to just ask you about the evolution of that room because it has had a lot of different factors since you first took over, but it seems now now that you have a group of guys that are sort of bought into it. So how have you seen those guys change and just their ability to learn and, and how proud are you of the fact that, you know, you have sort of gone through this whole opus with Matt McKay giving away to Tommy Malott, now Tommy Malott and Sean Chambers sort of splitting snaps. What's it taking just from a mental perspective to get those guys to buy in? How have you seen the quarterback group evolve as a whole? Well, I think it's it's evolved um, considerably. Um, you even think where we would have been 12 months ago, you know, it, with Tommy still running down on kickoffs and, um, playing some receiver and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, Tommy's development, first of all, is the thing you, you got to look at. Um, you know, and then I think we were able to react um, appropriately to the fact that, that Matt had already left. Um, you know, Tucker was going to forego his last year and graduate, and then uh, Casey Bauman was most likely going to leave, and that's where Sean came into play. Um, you know, and in Sean, we had you know a guy that had started a lot of football, played uh, – Played a lot of good football um, and was similar enough to Tommy from a style perspective that, you know, if if we had to go to him like we did a couple weeks back, he wouldn't have to change our offense. You know, and I think that's important. You have, um, you have an offense, you want to recruit to it. Obviously, you know, each individual that plays quarterback their strengths are a little bit different so you can you can adjust to that but it can't be this drastic ebb and flow that we maybe would have seen say in the championship game when we went from Tommy to Tucker so I think we're getting there you know um unfortunately Jordan Reed he would have been our third string guy is um is out for the season and will redshirt this year but but I think Sean Austin's coming along so we're we're making progress you know I know recruiting wise um you know we're recruiting to a again, to us, a uh, type of quarterback. And I think, I think we like what we've done there on the recruiting end. So um, it's getting there. And, you know, I think the, the play of both Tommy and Sean has continued to evolve through this year. And a lot of that credit goes to them. And a lot of credit goes to Taylor for, you know, crafting game plans and calling plays that uh, play to their strengths. And last thing for you, then, um, I, I think that I've always had a lot of respect for Jay Hill. I think he has a lot of respect around the league as well. It's sort of a steady hand, and, and they've been consistently really good since he first got the thing rolling you know, after a year or two of rebuilding it. So um, how do you think he sort of reflects on the identity of this team, and, and what do you think of just sort of the, the, the identity that Weber brings to Bozeman? What's it going to take to sort of match that? It seems like you guys ready for any sort of physical matchup like you might have on Saturday, but uh, what do you think of just sort of the way that that's reflected in, in and Coach Hill and the way he operates? Well, it's clear that, uh, you know, I think this is Coach Hill's ninth year that he's got the program uh, that does reflect, you know, um, what he wants his football team to look like. And that's uh, that's winning um, in a complimentary fashion, um, you know, and, and that just doesn't happen overnight, but they've developed that uh, over a long time, and that's, that's, that's where their consistency comes into play. And then once you get the ball rolling, you know, the, the type of athletes you, you can recruit to, to Weber, um, have, I'm sure continue to improve because um, they have good players, and, and you know, they play a, a really sound brand of football in every which way, offense, defense, special teams, and, and it, 
like I said, it complements you know all the phases complement each other really well. So they're they're trying to do a lot of things that, that we are. They value a lot of things that we do. I mean, physicality comes into play. Uh, valuing the the football comes into play. Uh, I know special teams is a huge part of what uh, um, what they preach. So. You know, I got a lot of respect for, for Jay and, and the job he's done and continues to do. You know, I know last year didn't play out like they wanted to, but it was, you know, how they finished was a, a, a great reflection of, of who he is. I mean, they, they probably finished as strong in the regular season as anybody in our league. And a lot of teams sitting where they would, uh, sitting where they were on the outside looking in from a playoff perspective might have laid down, but that was the furthest thing from what they did. They got maybe a little bit healthier and, and, and played their best ball, and that probably catapulted them into a great out, uh, great off season. And, and here they sit undefeated uh, at the midway point, and you know that just didn't happen um, this summer. That happened trying to you know as they went through things last year, went through those, some of those struggles they had last year. So you know that's a that's a reflection of a well coached. Uh, team, um, a program that knows what they want to look like, and, and I know they do a great job of consistently being what they want to be. Brad Vegan, Montana head football coach here on Nuana's Now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Coach, very much looking forward to the game in Bozeman on Saturday. Thanks for taking a minute for us uh, here, and uh, best of luck. We'll talk to you soon. All right. I always appreciate being on with you. Thanks. They do an exceptional job of consistently being what they want to be. It's a great way of summing up Weber State football under Jay Hill, who, by the way, will join us sometime in the next couple days trying to pin down uh, when exactly Coach Hill can come on. They usually practice right up until 530, so uh, he might be able to join us live tomorrow or Friday. We'll see. Stay tuned, but he will be coming on the show, so I look forward to having Coach Hill on, as we always do, one of the best football minds out west in the United States, I think. I mean, I think he's just an exceptional coach. He's done a hell of a job there at Weber State. And it should be a great game in Bozeman on Saturday. Step outside Big Sky Conference football. Step into the world of college hockey, Grizz hockey to be specific. We have a pair of tickets for you. We got some wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. We got some insight from Grizz hockey head coach Mike Anderson. Coach Anderson will join us next. Keep it right here. Nuan is now ESPN Radio. Bobcat fans, support both your favorite team and Montana State students. When you shop at the student and faculty-owned MSU Bookstore, your purchase lowers the price of course materials for Montana State students. Montana State is in the midst of a historic year, and the MSU Bookstore has everything you need, from jerseys to garments, t-shirts to sweatshirts. You can also find the vast selection of Bobcat gear online by visiting msubookstore.org. Help students excel and look your best in blue and gold. The MSU Bookstore is your Bobcat gear headquarters. ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Who on us now? 1029 ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television and the ESPN MT app. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here on your Wednesday. I'm Coulter Nuanas. We're coming to you through the ESPN MT studio here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. Missoula Broadcasting, locally owned and operated, and proud to say so for more than 15 years. Time now for a little Wing It Wednesday, Grizz Hockey Style. Wing It Wednesday, proudly presented by the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Our longest standing giveaway here on ESPN Radio. 
We give you a dozen wings to the Despo each week. There's a variety of different ways we do it. And this time of year, they come with a pair of tickets to the Grizz hockey games as well. We got two tickets for you to Friday night's Grizz hockey game against Washington State. They're at the at Glacier Ice Rink and a basket of wings from the Desperado. So text us right now. Text your number 4406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. Text us right now. 888-1029. You will be the proud winner of a basket of wings from the Desperado and a pair of Grizz hockey tickets. If you don't win, still go drink some beers and eat some wings at the Desperado before that puck drops at 7.30 on Friday night. Can't think of a better start to your weekend than going and watching uh, some college hockey after having a few brews and a few wings. Maybe you do it in the reverse order. Maybe you go over the Despo for some beers afterwards. Either way, uh, happy to have the Despo on board for Wing It Wednesday for year number 10. And uh, also happy to partner with Grizz Hockey. We're having you text for the wings because we go to the Rangers Brothers Army phone line. Welcome in. Grizz co-head coach of the Grizz hockey team, Mike Anderson. I joined us last week as well. Mike, thanks Mike, thanks for being here, man. First of all, I'll just take us through the weekend that was. You said last week on the show that you knew that the competition level was going to be uh, hell, heavily elevated against Montana State, and that seemed like the case. Uh, Cats come to Missoula, post a 5 nothing win, and then uh, beat you again 8-3 uh, in Bozeman on Saturday. Just take us through it. Uh, what did you see from your team, and, and how good of a competition level raise was it by Montana State? Uh, it was a pretty stark difference in what we've been playing prior. Uh, that's no excuse for how we came out and played. It just was a pretty big jump to, to handle, and it proved to be a bit too much for us. Uh, they're a very good team. They're a team that's well well coached, and they're a team that has an embedded culture and style of play that their guys know, and, and we're still building all that. So it was a great moment for us to see what it takes to be a national tournament contending team, and, and we're going to use it as motivation to get better. But it was certainly a big jump from what we've been playing, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's never uh, fun to, to lose, but sometimes – you got to see the elephant, right? I mean, I remember Jeff Choate at Montana State talking about this after the first time they played North Dakota State in the playoffs. He said, hey, you know, we got whooped today. They lost 52-10 to 10 in the second round of the playoffs in 2018. And he said, but now I know how far we are away. And I know Montana State not quite national championship caliber, but certainly a national contender these last couple of years. So, I mean, does it help you guys just from a, a program-building perspective to kind of know uh, just, just where you stand? Oh, for sure. It's a huge thing to have them uh, so close to us to be able to play them four times a year to, to have that, you know, parameter, litmus test, whatever you want to call it, to know that that's a program that competes um, in regionals every year and gets to nationals uh, consistently. So we know what that looks like. We know what that level is now. We have another big test coming up with you, Mary, next week on Thursday. They're coming in. They're the two-time national defending champions. So that'll be um, a big test for us as well. So we're we're going to have a good idea by the end of this year. We're going to play Botno, who's another national tournament team. We're going to play Wilson State, another team that, that gets there consistently. So we're going to have a very good idea of, of what it takes to, to compete at the highest level at our level. So that's why we built the schedule the way we did, and, and we certainly hoped we would have done better, um, but there's some things to clean up, and now we know what it takes on a lot of different levels. So it was uh, rough weekend, but we, we're going to take lessons from it and move forward. Mike Anderson, Grisaki, joining us here on the Ringage Brothers RV phone line. It's your Ring It Wednesday. 
Uh, keep those texts coming in, 406-888-1029. We have a dozen wings to the Despo, plus a pair of Grizz hockey tickets to Friday night's game against uh, Washington State here in Missoula at the Glacier Ice Rink. Uh, Mike, when you talk about some of the stuff you guys need to clean up, what specifically? I mean, what are the points of emphasis this week leading up to this upcoming homestand? I think the, the biggest thing for us is understanding the work rate it takes to play hockey in general, but hockey at this level uh, consistently. It takes a, a dedication throughout the week. It takes getting good sleep. It takes being on top of your school. It, it, it takes a certain level of maturity and understanding of how to play. So it's a lot of those things of just really understanding how much work we need to put into this in order to, to succeed at the level that we want to. This is a part of maturing and growing as a program. Uh, you know, Sometimes I have to remind myself we're only in our second year as well, but I want to keep our expectations high, but also remind ourselves that we're, we're in the middle of a process here, and, and all that really matters is by March that where we're at because that's when the, the, real, the real playing begins. So. Well, another challenging uh... – matchup this upcoming weekend what do we know about washington state what can you tell us and uh, what can fans expect friday and saturday there are new sorry excuse me there's a there are a new program for us we haven't played them it's really hard to tell on film at our level of what they're really like uh they've had a program for a while um my guess is they're uh, going to be better than Western Washington, but certainly not near Montana State's level. Uh, so it'll be a challenge for us again, and and we'll make sure that we're ready to go. And you know, we're watching Phil Namar as a group and identifying some some strengths and weaknesses of that team, so we can exploit and attack. And uh, but it should be a fun weekend regardless. You know, we have our pink uh, breast cancer awareness jerseys Saturday night that we're going to auction off, and they look really sharp and cool. So we're excited about that. But. Uh, we definitely, though, Colton, we try to just focus on ourselves more often than the other team and make sure that we're coming ready to play and, and regardless of who we're playing. Mike Anderson, Grizz Hockey, they play at home again Friday and Saturday night. You can find all the action either at the Glacier Ice Rink. And by the way, we'll still have some more tickets for you coming up to both Friday and Saturday's action. So stay tuned here on Nuanas Now. You can also always find the games here on ESPN Radio, as well as on the ESPN MT app. So I'm very excited uh, to continue to bring you Grizz Hockey throughout the season. And uh, you can always catch Mike um, or somebody from Grizz Hockey or uh, a combination of all of them weekly here on Nuanas Now. Coach, (laughs) thanks for being here, man, and uh, best of luck on Saturday. Appreciate it. Uh, Thanks, Colter. We'll talk to you later. Best of luck Friday, too. Best of luck all weekend. (laughs) I'm just used to saying Saturday. I'm in football autopilot. What can I say? Thanks to Mike Anderson for joining us here uh, on Nuanas Now. Speaking of football, how about a couple of the central figures in this upcoming showdown in Sacramento? Jake Dunaway, Grizz fans know his name. He diced the Grizz last year. He was in Missoula. Andy Thompson, Grizz fans know his name because of the Sac State defensive coordinator. He played his college football at the University of Montana. A two-part ESPN roundtable highlighting the two-time defending Big Sky Conference champion Sacramento State Hornets. That's next to get our number two kicked off. Keep it right here. CSPN Radio. I am here with Catherine DeLands of The Advocates. If you've been listening to ESPN Radio, you're familiar and you know if you've been in an accident, The Advocates can surely help you. There's a lot of people out there that don't slow down for road conditions that are driving recklessly or carelessly, and we want to protect the people that have been injured because of those driver's actions. 
you deserve an advocate. The advocates will deal with the insurance company and defer medical bills, so all you need to do is rest and get better. The advocates will handle the overwhelming legal stress of your accident because you didn't deserve to be in an accident. Chat directly with a local attorney online at MontanaAdvocates.com.